welcome to the Roll Down Podcast, hosted live on Twitch every Tuesday night. Now, here's your hosts, Cutler and Soul! Hello to all the podcast listeners out there. You don't usually hear my voice uh, pop in beforehand. What I am letting you know is that for this episode, we tried out a new thing on the live stream where you can listen to our pre-show. So this episode features about 10 to 15 minutes of pre-show. If you like this kind of thing, if it's something that you're interested in, you will hear our talk as we set up on the live stream. Uh, please do let us know on Twitter at the rolldown. Uh, to let us know if you like this kind of thing, if you want to hear it in the future, or if you just want to get straight to the podcast. Thanks, guys. My name is Cutler. If you heard a 15-minute pre-show before this, it's because we have decided to start streaming and uh, letting you guys hear our pre-shows. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to let us know what you think. I, for one, had a really good time. I think it was a raging success. And speaking of raging successes, I want to bring on my co-host, and that is the wonderful Soul TFT. So welcome to the program. Good to be here as always. Guys, we have a double double trouble, some might say. <laughs> when you put these two on your board at the same time, there's a real strong buff that appears. And I'd first really love to, inter- uh, to introduce Ducky to the podcast. Welcome. Welcome, thanks for having me. I, I like to think we're more of like a best friends two kind of augment situation. You know, you <laughs> put us next to each other, you get a bit of you get a bit of a tax fee. You know, that, that's what yeah. happens with Frosty and I. Keepers three. <laughs> oh, that's us as a group. Like, you yeah. know, that's all of us And last but certainly not least, Frosty, welcome, welcome to the Real Damn Podcast. It's great to have you. My pleasure to be here. Guys, uh, if you heard all that in the pre-show we pretty much just ran through a little bit of everything. Not much of it TFT. Uh, and we will get to a lot of set seven and a lot of TFT Was, was any of it TFT? I, I don't think any of it was TFT, to be honest. It was like cricket and like... Yeah, there's a bit of patching yeah. the pirate. It was a lot of topics. <laughs> it was, it was so a lot much. of topics. Uh, we're actually just the... practicing in case we decide to do another podcast with the yeah, four yeah. of us. In case we pivot, you know? Yeah. Happens. What we are Holy actually shit. going to talk about, to be honest, today, is our two guests. Because they represent a very vital piece of the Oceanic TFT community. And I think it's really important that we get to know a little bit about them. Uh, and hopefully, maybe as a, as a group, come up with uh, some things about Oceanic TFT that we love. Some things that we want to see more of. Some things that we maybe want to see less of. But I don't really think there's going to be anything like that. So, I'd really like to start with you, Ducky. How did you get into TFT? Oh, okay. This is a long one. So, uh, my background for everyone who's listening is I am an esports journalist full time. That is that is my day job. Um, I write about TFT for a living and a bunch of other games, League of Legends, Valorant, Siege, etc. But I write about TFT a lot. Um, I've played TFT since launch. I kind of took a break after set two, didn't play any of set three, but I've been back since set four and played ever since. Um, I kind of got involved into TFT casting when all the OC TFT stuff kind of kicked off after Galaxies. Um, obviously, we had Obergrove for Galaxies, that did really well. Um, and then everything kind of started getting, you know, pushed through in Fates, and like, I kind of got my shoe in the door early. Um, 
big big thanks to Swifty. Um, you know, giving me an opportunity as someone who had barely any casting experience, but just a big passion for um, Oceanic TFT to at least like work on a craft and be able to tell these stories. Um, and I, I do it on like a level as like a journalist where like eventually down the line when I have more free time between work and uni where I can talk to a lot more of the TFT players and get their stories heard. But I like to think that um, me, Frosty, Judge, Genome, Sleppy, and all the other casters do a really good job of of sharing those kinds of stories on the uh, OCTFT broadcast. Yeah, really interesting answer. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about why casting specifically. Um, Look, it's, it's pretty convenient. Like in terms of like being involved in the scene, it's like one of the best ways to be involved. Um, it's very mm. e not necessarily easy, but you're very forward facing. Your name kind of gets out there, um, which you know, if you're a narcissist like me, not. Um, it, it's it's pretty good. Um, but you know, it, it's pretty. I don't know. I feel like. I have this thing about esports casting. I've always wanted to cast, but I never really got my foot in the door early enough with like League of Legends. I was like pretty young back then. TFT kind of seemed like a really good opportunity for that, uh, where I could weave a lot more of like my journalistic storytelling ability into something that's a little bit more verbal. Um, my roommate Nightmare Twig, who is one of the observers or the observer for uh, for Oceanic TFT, will tell you that I cannot speak for the life of me. The fact that I can string together sentences is a miracle. Um, but you know, TFT, uh, like you know, the TFT broadcasts have allowed me to like work on that, um, and I guess it's been a really nice way to um, give the scene a little bit of life outside of just POV broadcasts, which you know was just the norm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you very much for sharing. I think um, as someone who also comes from a journalistic background, it's really interesting to see uh, people who go into our field specifically, and I won't touch on it for too long, but. It's really nice that, that you're able to uh, provide sort of a frontline account of some of the stories of Oceanic TFT in that way. I mean, the way that I look at it, and this is, I'm going to throw to Frosty straight after this, but like the way that I look at it is like, Frosty is like the brains of like a broadcast. Like, you know, he, he's kind of like the color caster. He's got all the analysis. He's got the big brains, brain, the big cast over oh, brain. I don't, I don't know. He's also got the good looks. There we go. Uh, That's he's, very, like he's a very handsome man. Um, but like the the one thing, uh, and I spoke about this with Sol briefly earlier, is is like if I'm casting TFT, I want you know people. You can listen to just a purely analytical broadcast, but it's way more fun when you get to know the players and get to know their stories. And like I think that that's what like the journalism background sells me in this cast. But um, you know, I guess for Frosty, his experiences will definitely be different to mine. Frosty, oh, yeah. he set it up, knock it out of the park for us. Tell us about those experiences coming into TFT. <laughs> uh, well, I started off as a competitive Hearthstone player back about, what, seven, eight years ago or so. I was a part of Hearthstone Grandmasters coming out of it there. Um, but uh, it started off one fateful night when my good friend uh, Tom Fleur, who used to also be a Hearthstone player as well, uh, introduced me to Auto Chess. And I stayed up for until 5 a.m. in the morning. Uh, yeah, and I was like, all right, I should probably get to sleep now. I set my alarm for three hours from then and promptly woke up at 8 a.m. being like, all right, time to play more auto chess. And from there on, really, it was just fate. <laughs> but uh, in seriousness, though, after I got relegated out of uh, Hearthstone Grandmasters there, I was always a big fan of TFT. I've played from every set I played from release up into uh 
what season seven now i took a little bit of a break in set five ish or so uh mostly due to burnout everyone so, did yeah. everyone took a break in set five you're not alone yeah um <laughs> but mostly where the casting started from was actually in set 4.5 where i was trying to be a competitive player in this game you know i'd seen decent success you know being able to make some of the regional finals as such but never actually being able to take it that step further there um i was thoroughly burnt out from the game you know i just i wanted to i wanted to be a part of the scene there but i didn't want to continue to having to look for akali chosen on roll down here and just continuously missing all the dang time so i was just like look i really want to be a part of casting because i i love telling these stories you know as ducky said here i'm a huge part of the community i love hanging out with all of the players here and i love understanding you know the meme culture and all that sort of stuff and i feel like i have a penchant for being able to be funny sometimes uh but more often than not i'm able to provide decent analysis alongside of that there as well and again i was lucky enough to be able to say uh, hey look i really want to be a part of the cast here i'd love to just be able to you know get my shoe in the door and from there on out it's been well you know it, it is what it is right <laughs> it's been ducky and me yeah uh best friends too as you said earlier so Sol- us so oh, like, you know, we 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 cycled through through a, through a few a oh my god, hold on, through a few pairs. That was way too hard to say. I'm a Your caster, by might the be way. Under something actually. And off, and then turn back on. Swell. Oh, it's back! It's back! It's back! Okay, well, we've been chilling. Okay. It's alright. The, the stream missed me simping. It's okay. <laughs> maybe maybe it cut off because of. I think it caught like I think it caught like fifty percent of you simping. So oh, so it it, it cut oh, off the hashtag ad. Oh, 50% of you shrimping. There you go. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Oh. But no, it's, um... It's good, you know, the scene, the scene really needs a little bit of love. It always has down in Oceania. It's all very grassroots. So, you know, any any way to be a part of that in any way to, like, you know... You know, make people take notice after, you know, having players... <laughs> you know, we look at Worlds, like, no EU players mm. on final uh-huh. day. One OS player. OC is obviously the better region. OC uh, better than France, in my opinion. You know. All right, all right. If you look at pure statistics, right, we have had a OC player in the final day for three worlds consistently, baby. Seventy-five percent, yeah. baby. That's it. Uh, OC better than EU confirmed. We're That's just it. Yeah. Seventy-five percent. I'll always hound about that number. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, most of it was with only one world slot as well. So, like, yeah, know, only this set that we get two world slots. And KMP kind of, like, just had the most tragic low roll on day two as well. Day one, wasn't it? Day one. Day, day one. one, yeah, day one. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, yeah. he started out so strong, and then he just, like, like just choked, and it was, like, uh, so uh, depressing to watch. Because um, I guess if we're going to talk about worlds a little bit, like, I had KMP as probably, like, my Dark Horse to win it all, but after Regionals, because, like, the way that, like, KMP played at Regionals was, like, unlike I had seen anyone play in OC. Like, it was actually, like, it was like watching Angora. Like, when Angora, like, first broke out, that was, like, what it was like watching KMP. Now you've just jinxed him again. Now he's not going to win set seven. I hope Look, Angora, <laughs> Angora is just going to be in my Twitter DM, uh, like, my, like, my Discord DMs now, saying, why do you speak about me? You always curse me. And I'm like, I casted all of your wins. Don't say that. <laughs> I was there for your highest highs. I'll be I there was. for your lowest lows as well. 
Bro, he was actually. I remember um, there was the uh, the tweet about the OCE four v four team, and I left him out, and he was so sad because <laughs> I said just send all of the just send all the world's reps, and he was like crying face, never talking to you again. I was like, no, <laughs> that's what you get. So I would love to know from your perspective, chatting, getting the opportunity to chat to to two people who really are a, a big part of spearheading this scene forward um is there anything that mm. you uh would like to would like to ask them or or have always wanted to ask somebody who, who's casted tft events mm, i think with these guys the main one is like how do you um so what how do you like hmm, just trying to think of is the way what right like way to put it i can't words how do you like sort of develop that sort of chemistry? I guess like you guys have, if that makes sense. Because like you know, it's obviously not like it doesn't instantly just happen, right? It takes time. It takes mm. you know, it takes you know, it takes it takes work. It's not like it's not just like like something you know, you got to try things. Something sticks, some things don't. So I guess like what was like your sort of experience, like sort of building that up? You want to go first, Rossi? Yeah, sure. Um, it yeah, it definitely has taken some time here or there. Like when we started off, we were definitely not perfect. You know, we we were not the greatest casters in the world here. Uh, it's definitely taken some time and some practice, and definitely uh, it's taken a lot of work. I personally, looking through it, I have gone through vods and pointed out moments where I can just specifically say, "All right, here's something that I really don't like that I've done here," and you know, here's me stringing off a few things that I do like. So you know, it's about it's about refining your art more often than not. Here, it's again, you can't just pull up someone on the desk here and expect them to be perfect more often than not. I mean, some people, I mean, Jose, for you know, being an amazing <laughs> TFT player, it. absolutely just knocked it out of the park on his first try. But I will say not everyone is going to be like that, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, the chemistry here, we've built that up. You know, we've gone to know each other. And I suppose for anyone that's starting out, you know, it is going to be a little bit of tough work there. You know, you are going to have to practice a little bit before trying to get your foot in the door. We were lucky. You know, I don't think there's any other way to put it. We were very lucky being able to get in early and, you know, being able to do this. And, you know, sure, we definitely have the skills, but it is now a case of, all right, well, now you got to work on those skills as well and you got to do a good job trying to build up your talent here so that you can also provide a good product for everyone else. I think there's also like a little bit extra like to add on to that is is like so the kind of structure of OCTFT casting has changed over time. We originally Definitely. did trio, we did trio casts originally, um, which made it you know quite difficult to like trio casts are definitely cool and they have their place, but it's very uh, I, it was a little bit tricky to work out, especially when a lot of the casters were very inexperienced and new. Um, it felt stiff, right? It felt yeah. very, you know, all right, so we will go to we'll go to Ducky and then we will go to Frosty and then we will go to Genome and then back to Ducky sort of a thing. Yeah. There. And it, it felt very uh, unnatural, you know, not yeah. organic. Which was very hard when you got two guys who are new to casting and a lot of the group back then, like Tweak was casting back then. Uh, we had Karim's casting back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very inexperienced casting group and it was really reliant on judge and genome who had that casting experience to really try and lift us up and they did a they did a great job of like mentoring us throughout that um but like it was also just like finding on like i've casted basically every single tft event that i've casted since probably the end of set five i've casted with 
Frosty exclusively. Like we've ch we've chopped and changed. I've cast with Judge a couple of times when Frosty hasn't been on broadcast, but every time it's Frosty's been on broadcast, we've been like a duo. Um, and so that's like really developed our chemistry. I've gotten to to know that lovely lad very well, and he, all of his all of his balloons, conquests, and <laughs> all that kind of stuff, um, which which really helps on broadcast. And I think we all we we both lean into each other's personalities very well. Um, mm. We like to have a bit of fun on broadcast, probably more so than what you're used <laughs> to seeing over on NA. Um, which you know, fresh out NA broadcast is very analytical and very very good. But like you know. We just like to have fun with it, just just a little bit like OCE is a bit of a four fun region. People call it, you know. They, yeah. we, we bring a little uh, bit of that flair in the cast. Got to move it up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that like that's no, that's like super cool to hear to hear like the behind the scenes stuff. I think that like a lot of the times, uh, people sort of see the sort of end result, like the finished product, so to speak, right? And they sort of, um, maybe not take for maybe take take for granted. It's like the wrong way to put it, but like they don't really, like they don't really see, you know, um. The, the, I guess the work and the preparation and I guess almost like the practice the training that sort of like went into that you know sort of finished product if that makes sense and, and it's not really their fault or anything right it's quite hard to actually see it from like I guess the viewer's perspective mm. I think like, I think that like that's like it's quite important as well for like um, people to not I guess be too harsh on sort of up and coming like classes as well because yeah. like people need to understand that this is an iterative process, you know, like, not, just you're not going to be... Casters generally, because, like, a lot of the, and yeah. I'm not sure if Frosty would, like, agree with me on this, but, like, a lot of the consensus I see on TFT casting is, like, why watch a caster when I can just watch a player POV instead? And it's like, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Like, if you want to watch a player POV because you get the best kind of analytics, like, you can get, like, a very bird's-eye view analytical process for how a player plays, sure, do that. That's totally fine. But, um... You want to if you want to watch a TFT broadcast and you want to hear you know the stories of these players and you know want to get like a better view of the lobby and that kind of stuff like that's what the broadcast is for um, and you know people will eventually figure that out for themselves but like when people say like why listen to TFT casts they're not challenger well it's because <laughs> we provide a little bit of a different insight on the game um, one that yeah, you know sure. the players can't provide themselves. I mean, I kind of want to go a bit deeper on that topic, if anything, because, like, we even chatted before in the pre-pre-show uh, about, you know, how important it actually is to even, you know, have have a high rank as a TFT caster, you know? Um, <laughs> I mean, we've talked about, we've talked, you know, we've had other casters on um, the podcast at this point, and we've, you know, talked about them before. But, um, you know, I'd be very interested to hear your take, I guess. First. I mean, I think I'm the lowest ranked. I would be probably the one of the lowest ranked players to ever be on this podcast. I've only peaked Diamond One. Uh, never made it to Masters. Who the Frost, fuck? Frosty's, Frosty's who got way this more. Guy? Hold on a second. Hold on. Who booked this fucking <laughs> Diamond? That was a mistake. I'm so sorry, Ducky. I mean, it's been it's great fine. to have you, you can on. Cut, but... You can cut my cam if, it, if you require it. Look, guys, Diamond we're just going to put my... Frost, Frosty twice, you know, he's... <laughs> put me a, I, I can go up on this one up at top yeah. here if you want. I can provide a double show here. Yeah, I can that, would myself. Be, that would be that my, would be. My, <laughs> I, I don't know if Twig's in chat, but my peak rank is Diamond 1, 99 LP, and there is a really? meme in my friend group where I, was, where I typed, sometimes set 4.5 when I was feeling good, I'm going to make Masters by tonight, and then lost 200 LP. So, like, nice, nice. <laughs> I, I, I am cursed to never hitting masters. But yeah, I don't think rank is necessarily that important. Although Frosty, you know, I think brings the balance in, in these casts where he can see a lot of things that I might miss out on. Yeah, I definitely think that, like, I'm in two minds about it, right? 
I think having a high rank definitely adds a lot to a cast. I wouldn't say like it adds too much to a cast, but I'd say that, you know, being able to add that extra layer in there definitely elevates your cast a little bit higher, right? So that is definitely something that I do try to do. But at the same time, a cast isn't necessarily about just being able to analyze the plays. For example, Ducky just said earlier there that uh, what we do isn't necessarily just say what is going on in the game and why that happens. It's also a lot of other things, you know, about story, about trying to, you know, engage the viewers in what you're trying to put together. You're trying to put together a product, right? And so more often than not, I do actually like to be a fairly decent rank. Like, for example, right now, I'm like Grandmasters 550 LP on... 6.5 you know and that's probably yeah. where i'm gonna end up finishing up there you know i'm not challenger but does that necessarily mean that uh the cast is going to be any worse for it i mean it might be slightly worse for it but there's a lot of different other things that have to be worked on there as well you know it's not just about you know how high is my lp it's also about all right cool how am i going to tell these stories alongside that you know trying to work on our synergy all of this other stuff there and yeah. More often than not, you know, there, I mean, sure, I'll say it. There's been some periods there where I haven't played the game for two weeks. I've come in and casted. I know what's going on still. I've had so many years of playing this game at this point that I can pretty much tell us straight off the bat here that, yes, they're trying to put together the good units with the good <laughs> items. I'm going to dob Frosty in here. I'm going to dob Frosty in here and say that was literally us for set 6.5 Challenger series when the meta didn't change for like a month. And we were both like, yeah. have you played much TFT in the last two weeks? And we're nope. like, nope, because the meta literally hasn't changed. And like, it was still Kaiser metal. So like, you know, oh, uh, okay. like, you know, still good. Yeah, it was literally that. And like, you know, yep. um, I like believe that like, it also is like a thing of like diminishing returns. Where like, if you're a caster, like a TFT caster, and you're like, you're bronze or you're silver or you're gold, and you don't have that many games, you still kind of get grips to a game, but you have a really good personality. It does kind of shine in the cast where your faults in the game lie. That kind of starts petering out when you hit high plat, low diamond. Um, and then obviously, like, you know, there's still, like, a lot of things that, you know, a, a diamond player doesn't know that a challenger player does. But the thing is, is a diamond player can also kind of recognize what those things are and kind of play up from that. I'm not trying to gas myself up to justify my own casting ability, my own playing ability. Um, but, like, you know... There are things that, like, these plays that are still in, you know, realistically in the top 3% of players, when you look at the diamond, like, a diamond player is in the top 3 to 4% of players, it's still pretty good. Um, but if they bring a lot more personality, it's better than listening to a monotone challenger player, if that's for sure. I think the thing about, like, TFT viewers, that's sort of, like, uh, I guess, uh, more unique to this game, and I guess just strategy games in general, is that, like, um, the average sort of viewer is actually, like, quite competent if even good if not even like good at the game right like yeah. uh, and the thing is is that like uh in a game like tft where you know there, there's so many people playing there's so much data out there the meta often even the meta at, like high elos still often bleeds down into the lower elos anyway like you know like the let's say hypothetically like strikers are the best comp right even if you if you look at like a challenge lobby and a diamond lobby strikers are probably still winning both like you know comp, like both lobbies it's just that like the the challenger version of the comp is just going to be more optimized the thing yeah. is that like or they're going to do certain things in a comp at different breakpoints to like yes, exactly. get, get the edge. Like yeah, you know, so, you'll, mm. you'll play a higher tempo or something like that. Like you know. So, so it's like it's like a nice. 
Yeah. yeah, it's like a nice bonus, right? To, to, to as a caster, uh, to sort of be of that sort of level, right? To be able to recognize, you know, these small sort of like, you know, uh, I guess optimizations that like the better players are making. But the thing is that I don't think the I think the thing is that the average viewer just doesn't really care. Is the thing. Yeah. Like the average viewer doesn't care that this that this player decided to roll at three two, uh, like for looking for this specific unit, or or, or yeah. they decided to roll at four three instead of four two. Like the average player just doesn't care. So the thing is yeah. that like you, at that point you have to. You, have, you know, you have to redefine what it means to sort of make a broadcast interesting. It's it's not sort of like it's not like a lot of more traditional esports where you can simply just narrate what's going on in the game because the players there are so much better than the average players that like the average players don't actually really. Yeah. Whereas in TFT, it's like oh. He's buying all the purple units. He's buying all the green units. Oh! <laughs> I see so rage. I click buy. I see yeah, rage. Exactly. I click buy. <laughs> like. I feel like there's like an element where it's like you know, yeah, the TFT audience is probably a little bit more informed about the game than say like a League of Legends audience. So that's probably just due to the size of the two games, where the TFT is a very small but dedicated audience, and the League audience is a little bit more casual. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's definitely merit to that, and it's definitely like a consideration that we make as well. Where like, I, if we're doing like a six-game broadcast, which is pretty typical, um, you know, that ends up being like a five-hour show, four and a half-hour show. And if I'm listening to analytical TFT content for four and a half hours, I think I would blow yeah. my brain out. That is like, it's very, very <laughs> high stress. It, it's not even just high stress. It's like, it's so much information to try and take in that as a viewer, you're dead like by game three. And as a caster, you're dead by game five. Like, it's just not possible. So you have to kind of find the balance to make an entertaining, you know, broadcast. Yeah, really good point. I want to jump on top of that as well, because... I think one of the things that has always made Oceanic esports, and not just TFT, um, has always been its little bit of its grunge backyard, backwater, done out of somebody's spare room. You know, your friend, your friend is the caster, and you know, your roommate is the guy that does the. My does roommate the... is the guy who obs, and he yeah. sits right there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's like you the know big, a guy. Yeah. And, I know that, a guy. and the other guy is like he was your friend at uni but like that's what is really interesting about oce esports in of itself because it is not you know we are not a north american broadcast and we never will be and that comes we with don't its try own... to sell it as one yeah exactly and <laughs> we, don't, we don't want with... to be and that comes with its own very very interesting charms because i think one of the things that that makes such a difference when it comes to listening to you guys on cast is that everything is very conversational and the art of a conversation in this country uh, and you know in this culture that we live in in australia is very important so being able to bounce off of each other and being able to play off of each other being able to rib each other when necessary you know shit stir your <laughs> mate you know shit be, stir be, your be able to chest and... on broadcast yeah like, exactly <laughs> ask frosty to do it a woo after a warwick board wins like you know like yeah. we've got all like you know, um, that's like a, it's almost like make his bed and <laughs> yeah you know. i still remember the i still remember the whole year from uh 4.5 with Esha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's been good it, it, that was, it, that was, it's that was so on every broadcast yeah, too. Like, he's so like good. should i hold you on this he's like nah maybe maybe <laughs> if there's another one like you know um i that's also like it's like you bring it up color but that's like I think Frosty and I had like a conversation. It probably was at the start of set six, maybe either midway through set six point set six challenger series or just after set six. 
where we were we like, we were like, let's just treat TFT like a podcast. That was essentially what we said, was TFT casting is a podcast. The visuals on board, honest, honestly, watching TFT is very unappealing. There is, the visuals that you're watching are pretty boring if you are not, like, well-informed about TFT. So what you have to do, and this kind of ties into my philosophy, and I, kinda, I think I described it frosty like this, it's like, we have to be like an ABC grandstand. We have to be like, you're in the car, watching, the, listening to the cricket on the drive to down south for your holiday. Like, that's the way that we have to cast TFT. It has to be very conversational. That's like a deliberate decision that we made, and I think it, it's been really good, and I'm pretty sure Frosty would say the same. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. I think the biggest thing that I've taken away over my few years of casting here is, yeah, I mean, I pretty much, I mean, yeah. TFT is... What it boils down to, and I think Riot agrees with this, is that TFT was not necessarily designed to be an eSport, right? TFT does not really get the attention that it does get for League, for Legends of Rune Terror, for those sorts of things. So in in retrospect, why should we treat it like it is this this you know this really analytical thing here? It's designed to be fun, right? So we should end up trying to have a little bit of fun on cast. We should really try to embrace the nature of the game. And I think that's where I really love what we've what we've made together, right? Where I, Ducky and I, we have fun on the cast here. We have all of these great moments here. And I feel like that really just captures everything that goes on with TFT, you know? I think it's just such an enjoyable experience, you know, being able to have a bit of fun. And I think that the viewers really embrace that as well. It also plays in, I think, a little bit to the storytelling aspect of the region, where it's like, you know, people see OC as like a little bit of a meme region. Why not like lean into that a little bit? Why not to like us as casters get to know the players a little bit, get to be able to tell their stories and broadcasts, like, you know, let's go Ron. Um, you know, rallying off that copy pasta is still one of the favorite things I had ever done on broadcast. Um, I thought I nailed it, by the way. I'm going to make myself better. It was brilliant. It was, it was really good. Um, but, like, you know, knowing just the players personally, and I know all the casters overseas have, like, the same, like, you know, Froden and, and Mort and, like, Bryce, they all know the, the players in NA really well, and you know Panda and Mix know really the players in EU quite well. Um, but it really makes the broadcast, and that's why they're the best of the best, in my opinion, because you you come to a TFT broadcast, you could come for it for analytical content, but as we spoke, you may as well just watch the player if you want truly hard analytical content. You get to see the bird's eye view of their play. Why not come for the stories and actually get to know the the, the lifeblood of TFT esports? And that's what we try to bring. Terrific answer. Really, really enjoy that. Really, really, really nice to hear, especially from your guys' perspective, about the, the region itself. Because, I mean, I certainly, as someone who's played a number of different games and has been a part of a numerous amount of sort of esports and gaming communities in OCE and all over, really do feel like the, the gold in a broadcast in OCE is when it feels like you're listening to your friends chat about something that you're interested in or yep. participating with your friends in something that you're interested in. And I think that's at the end of the day, um, it's really what we try to do here as well. I know that we often mix in a lot of analytical discussion on this show as well, because at the end of the day, I have to hang out with soul all the time. He's a huge fucking nerd, but 
you know we really um the the most important thing is is that um this feels like a community and like a very friendly a friendly and engaging thing that we can do for uh the people in oce that that like to listen to their friends talk about the games that they enjoy yeah absolutely. yeah i think that sums it up pretty perfectly like at the same time like we, we, it's still a job at the end of the day and frosty and i still like we're not I, i'm far from calling myself a casting expert i still see myself as a very very novice caster but like at the end of the day it's why i got into journalism is as i wanted to tell stories um and i originally started in like like you said, Color, we we all come from different backgrounds in esports. We very few of us are. Yeah, I started in TFT. Like Frosty came from Hearthstone. I came from Overwatch, League of Legends, Rainbow Six Siege, all these kind of other spaces, and then jumped into TFT. Um, so we we've all had the OC esports experience in a different scene, and we all know, I guess, the importance of it of, of that kind of storytelling and bringing it a little bit closer to the players. Because at the end of the day, when one of them makes it to the world stage, when you have someone like TXE make it to worlds. It, it, it's all, you know, Tixi, Esha, Raza, Obo. Um, Obo's a little bit of a, like a an asterisk there because we didn't have the time to set up the community then. And like mm -hmm. he was sent over and I feel like Obo's story was kind of done a little bit dirty by the fact that he went over so early when there was nothing pre-established there. Um, and obviously KMP. Um, you know, all of these guys, we, we try and tell their stories here and then give little shards of knowledge onwards to try and make sure that their stories actually get told to a wider, wider audience. Um, and, you know, making sure that people realize that, yeah, they're TFT players, but they're also people. Like, and people have really cool stories to tell, like, you know. And so why not, you know, tell them on a broadcast? Why not, like, share that amongst the, oh, why is this player picking this augment here instead of the other augment? Yeah. I, I Like, I want to just build on that a little bit there as well, because I think that, you know, we really touched on it earlier, where, you know, we know the players really well. I don't know about you, Ducky. I'm in a lot of, you know, I'm like in Angora's chat when he's streaming. I'm in, I'm in all these players' chat. I'm, you know, essentially, I'm there to just watch OC try to do really well. You know, it's not just like, here's a cast. I only watch this cast here and then I don't watch them anymore. No, these are things that we are just constantly on top of here all the time. And it's something that, you know, I I really pride myself because I feel like I know these players real. I played against them. I played <laughs> against Angora in set four. I played against Dobo in set three. I got knocked out by Raz on day three because he contested me with Shredder. I've had better Zaya items, <laughs> damn it. I'm still salty about it. <laughs> I don't it's have like these yeah. moments, right? It's these yeah. moments that I want to be able to share with everyone else like I have just there. You know, these hilarious little tidbits. But if there's no one there, if there's no one that's willing to do it, then it just falls by the wayside. And I feel like that's yeah. such a missed opportunity. That's like, a, I, I see that as like a perceived weakness in my my casting is there's like, I'm not as close to the community as I wish I was. I, I'm close to like specific players. Um, like Angora is like one of the players that I'm definitely most closest with. Um, and like, you know... At, at all the, like the guys that go to worlds like you know we kind of chime in and i kind of stuck around like when razzle was playing in set five after he went to worlds and that kind of stuff before he took his break um but that's the one like big weakness for me is like i've never been that involved and it's one thing i've wanted to change i've always been in, in full-time study full-time work so it's been a little bit hard to do that but you know it's always like a conscious thing of like oh i can finally have more free time to like interact with the tot community also i've had my uh, my favorite uh player choo choo bird sorry zuzu bird coming coming to chat i i know <laughs> 
<laughs> that has gotten me in so much shit. It's so funny where I remember getting message like, it's actually like Zuzu member. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then you just <laughs> yeah. completely off of the mind there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because I like I, that's how I see like like XU is how I see it. It's like true, but yeah. like it's it's Zuzu, and I, I will love him for that. I'm pretty uh, sure I, I love how he. I love well. he, he. He he just jump into Twitch chat and say like, "Can you say my name?" And I was like, "Yeah, I can. I can say it for you, bro. It's Zuzu, but I'll say it for you next set. Just please make challenger series." <laughs> I know. I know it's chill. I know it's chill. Let's jump off that challenger series point because I want to go on to talking a little bit about the oceanic community in of itself. And you guys mentioned a lot of taking forward storylines and and how we progress the oceanic community into a, a world stage into a bigger performance let me ask you we're at ho we're at homegrown now we're talking about challenger series we're talking about regional events what is it that you guys think can potentially be done i'll start with you frosty on this one to increase and you know well the cop-out answer is of course to say that we need more representation and we all totally agree with that and as you can you know as we saw with two competitors at this previous worlds you know it really paid off in our favor it really proved that our community our best players deserve to be there where is it for you that you think that the oceanic tft scene can improve i mean yeah representation is definitely a big one uh, i think that the toughest part about it is that um tft viewership is a very interesting thing i've noticed where it is very top heavy right where a lot of players, they love to watch their Sojus, their GV8s, their, their Milks, you know, all of these sorts of players here. But We, we will stream OSTFT, and if Eshel or Keen is playing, 90% of the viewers will be on that channel, and only 10% will actually be watching us on yeah. broadcast. That's it, right? A lot of people, then this is builds on the point that we said before, a lot of people are here for personality rather than for the actual good players. So I think it is, it's less about representation and it's more about trying to, I don't know, it's almost like I want the players to like get out there and sell themselves a little bit more, you know, it's like I want them to try to embrace that a little bit, you know, get out there, try to get on a team, try to do something different. It's not just about playing TFT, it, you know, it, that's definitely a big part of it, but um trying to build OC is it starts with you right you got to try to build yourself up first and then you can try to look out for everyone else so and that's you know that's where I come from right it's like I have a decent platform that I work with here and that I try to build TFT and so it's about trying to get everyone else on board and you know trying to lift themselves up and through lifting themselves up we can help each other lift each other up even further yeah I'd like to add on to that as well. It's just like, no one is an OST TFT to make money. If you're an OST TFT to make money, uh, go to Centrelink instead. That you're probably going <laughs> to get more there. Oh god! Um, let, oh, no. Honestly, it is. It, that's pretty much it. Like, and honestly, if you're an OST TFT to make money, you're probably at Centrelink at the yeah. same time. Um. So with that, there's still other ways, and like the to add on to that is the number one way to do that is not necessarily representation, but like branding yourself and marketing yourself i find that the people who like build themselves like an online platform have done the best for themselves you look at like angora you look at razor after even in the lead up to wells like 
Raza built up such a platform in set four because he was on Reddit posting his bloody keepers guides. Uh, <laughs> so, but that built him an audience, and then he went to Worlds and he kept it for a set. Even when he took his hiatus, um, like you know, he had that audience, and like I remember, like you would go into Raz's Twitch chat every single day after Worlds, and he was like doing that streaming challenge, and but he would be like, there'd be like hundreds of people in there, and that was carried off the back of the Worlds performance. But even then, you, you still have guys like Escher, and you still have other streamers. So if you stream or if you create content around yourself, and one of the players who actually did this quite well and probably doesn't get enough recognition because they were very new was Woken, um, who like came into like set six. As a little bit of like nobody knew who he was, made it to Challenger series, made it like all the way through, um, and like he kind of built up a little bit of content for himself. And then when the time regional finals came around, like yeah, he had taken his break and played Lost Ark like half the same. But like you know, um, <laughs> he actually branded himself a little bit. And there was like a little bit to go off there. And I find that like you know, I, it's kind of like a, a help us help you moment where like if like players are streaming it's like a lot easier for us to be like hey go watch this guy he did really well in regionals this weekend just like go watch his stream on or we like we can put that on twitter or like myself personally like i could try and get interviews out with people um i did like an interview with angora but i never actually released it because i was really busy with work and i feel kind of bad about it but at the same time he didn't go to world so i feel like i kind of cursed him um but you know we can try and like help out the community in that way through our own channels but at the same time the players kind of have to help themselves in that regard so if you can't stream because of your internet, just try something else. And, like, you know, that comes to us as well, being engaged in these communities. Frosty does it really well. I know, like, a couple of the other guys do it really well, like Sleppy. Um, and that's where, like, someone like me could definitely improve. But at the same time, that's just the number one way is because it's such a small community, we all have to really look out for each other and stick out for each other. And that is, that's just the best way of doing it. Hmm. Yeah, well put. I think very well put. Listen, Sol, I'm going to come to you when I ask you this question, and I'd love to bounce this off of everybody. We're going into set seven of TFT now. It's been going for a very long time. Is there anything about the current state of TFT that you think is going to be beneficial to the Oceanic community going forward? Do you think that potentially, and I know that this is something that uh, we talk about a lot on this podcast, is do you think that benefiting our community the best thing to do would potentially be to broaden it by including southeast asia i mean i think the answer to that is a is is, is a resounding yes i mean that's yeah we've talked about that a lot in the podcast yeah that one's like a resounding yes i don't even know it's like a yes and no though like it's like expanding to sea is like one thing but at the same time like sea deserves to be its own region like yes. it's yes. like it's like in League of Legends as well, like where you have like the PCS, like and OCE is like two distinct entities. That's what OCA needs. SCA just needs representation, full stop. Um, OCA can benefit a lot from like the the drift down, but like at the end of the day, both things need to thrive within themselves, and both things should also try and bolster each other up as kind of like yeah. brothers in arms. Yeah, I think the thing right is that like in an ideal world, uh, C gets its own region, right? But like. You know, we it has sort of been discussed already a lot at this point, but you know the situation there is quite sort of dire in terms of like, uh, I really the issue I think Keith told me was like Garena and not really wanting to cooperate with Riot. Yeah, Garena, um, Garena publishing rights. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think like the thing is at this point it's like the, the there is enough interaction between like C and OCE players, especially like even on just like the OCE ladder itself, that like 
if we were to mesh into like if we were to hypothetically combine to like one super region, I don't think like it would necessarily be a bad thing. Um, I feel like though, if we combine into one super region, OC just also loses out because SCA will eventually take over. I was gonna say the issue then becomes that like you need to increase the amount of world slots. It gets really messy. So I I not gonna I'm not gonna say you know that that's a perfect solution. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think like on the topic of OCE sort of like you know growing as a region and everything. I think that. Uh, the decision to give OC two world slots in set six was a huge step. I think that that was a really, really big deal. I think that prior to that, um, honestly, like you, you know, you could be the best player in the region, but like when it comes to regionals day, like nothing is a nothing is a guaranteed. Like it, it really. Yeah, like nothing is a guarantee, and, and and you know it, it shouldn't ever be a guarantee, right? Like it, it shouldn't yeah. ever be like that. Uh, but but that being said, like it just feels really rough when there's only a single slot to play for. Um, and we're playing a game like TFT where there's so much variance, right? And you sort of really want to try and like cut down on variance where you can, right? I'm not saying variance is bad or anything, but you want to try to you know cut like you want to try to cut down on the field bounds if you can help it. Um. So yeah, so I think that like the second, I think that the second world slot was was huge for uh, for OCE. Um, I think that like set seven, for example, is gonna is gonna be really good for us um, in terms of uh, just growth and everything like that. Like it's it it already was like a lot better in set six compared comparatively to set five, right? Um, so I think I feel like it's only gonna really sort of stay there. I think kind of to add on to that though, like I think to like add on to that and like kind of answer like more of the original question where it's like what has changed in like TFT that has allowed OC or like what has changed in TFT that has allowed OC to thrive or will allow OC to thrive. Um, and I have really one word to say to that, and it's Tycoon, where it's like you've got Mm. this man behind the scenes who is trying to run a really really strong shout out to Byron for trying (laughs) to run this really strong domestic scene. Um, and also, like, all the guys at order, Swifty Brutes, etc. But, like, it's all good that we get the two slots at Worlds, but what really make, make, makes the scene grow is a really strong domestic scene. Um, hopefully we can bring sponsors on board that increase the prize pools and whatnot, and, you know, make it a little bit more enticing for players. Um, but at the same time, you know, I... Honestly, without Byron, I'm pretty sure OCETFT would be dead. Oh, uh, that yeah, man definitely. is like without single, a question, single-handedly carrying the the entire like competitive structure of this region. And I know that he's a really smart guy with like only the best intentions for developing the scene in mind. And I think like some of the stuff that he cooks up in terms of formats and making sure that everything is fair and the way that he admins tournaments and engages players is the reason why OCTFT is where it's gotten to and the reason why it'll probably continue to thrive as long as he is here. I think like to touch on that like topic briefly on like just sort of prize money and just like prize pools and sponsors and stuff. I I could be wrong, completely wrong on this, but I, I am of the opinion that like Prize pool is not like what sort of drives a competitive, right? It's it's passion for the game. Like people aren't in this for the money. They really aren't. If you uh, if you're in TFT for the money, we I don't really it, know. We, what to we, tell we said you. it earlier. If you're in TFT yeah, for the money, if you're in TFT for the money, I don't really know what to tell you. Is and your name K3 Soju? Yeah. Otherwise, good yeah. luck. But the thing is, <laughs> yeah, right, pretty much all keen. <laughs> 
Like, yeah. but the thing is that this isn't even like necessarily exclusive to TFT. Like, the thing is, is that with like even like just other esports with like prize money and everything. Like, when people look at the big prize pools and everything, that's quite literally the top, you know, one, two, three percent of players who actually get to, like less, right? Less. I'm being chat. I'm being generous. something. I'm being generous. The vast majority pool. of people. Are literally competing for scraps, and why do they do it? They do it because they love the game. They do it because of the passion for the game. They enjoy competing for a competition. So this comment, this this really common argument of "oh, duh, just increase the prize pool more," it's just it's just like a complete fallacy. It's just there, there's true, like a little bit of right? merit into it, where like there's like a point where like the prize pool kind of breaks even to like, why yep. would I play in this tournament when I could just play ranked instead? Is kind of like sure. the kind of break even fallacy yeah. because TF if there's one thing TFT players love more than pressing the D key, it's like, you know, getting the LP plus at the end of the game. Like, you know, yeah. seeing that, that little LP counter go up every <laughs> single like, time. It's, 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 the, a, it's, yeah. it's a drug. The dopamine, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, that that's why, like, you kind of have to kind of, it has to be like enough of an incentive to play the tournament that's mm. more than just competitive drive, but at the same time, yeah, yeah. The I mean, they need to drive be at the same, yeah. Com competitive drive at the same time is ultimately what pushes the scene forward, not some angel investor coming down, yes. dropping 100k into the scene yeah. and saying, hey, Absolutely. here's some prize money. Totally like, agree you know, with that's you. Gonna kill it. Totally agree with you on that one, Ducky. I will say, for one thing, when it comes to prize pool, um, it incentivizes the average player more than it does the hardcore player. A hardcore player is not incentivized as someone who already competes in every TFT tournament or is trying to become a world champion, a world championship representative, a regional finalist, a challenger series winner, a, a cup winner in TFT. They will play tournaments and have played tournaments in TFT when there is no money available to them or oh, when yeah. the prize pool is $70. Yeah. What it does, however, is it does bridge the gap between those extra one two three hundred people that can grow the scene retroactively with money and i will say yeah. as well as someone who is looking into really really hard you know we, we're really really trying to get the podcast sponsored and we we have great stuff upcoming for stuff like that and money coming in to put on week fortnightly tft tournaments in this community it's really Watch fucking out. hard to get money yeah. <laughs> for TFT. Yeah. Oh. Um, it, it's insanely difficult. Um, which, like you know, like it's like a thing where, like, I've 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 spoken about it where it's like, yeah, like at the end of the day, people are gonna compete because they want to compete. I'm an inherently competitive person. I've competed yeah, in tournaments exactly. my entire life and have made, I don't know, like less than a hundred dollars out of like all the League of Legends events that I've played. All of the those kinds, all the TFT events that I've played, I've won one TFT tournament where I got like fifteen bucks. That was kind of cool. Um, yeah, and that's still I a top spammed, five I moment spammed, of your life. I spammed yeah. Tristana reroll to a first. It was great. That was set <laughs> set six, not set five. I wasn't a Hellions abuser. Um, I was <laughs> I was a Yordle I was a Yordle reroll enthusiast. Oh, I just played Cannoneer instead. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like. People compete because they want to be the best, and the money is kind of like an added touch. But at the same time, the money is also needed to justify the product in the long run. Um, TFT is at a point now where it's probably just slowly going to start keeping on growing. Like there was definitely I interviewed the TFT devs about it, where they were like, "Yeah, we weren't actually sure TFT was actually going to make it past Galaxies." 
because like yeah. it was like a three set experiment and set two metrics wise is pretty shit. Um, even though looking back, set two is actually a like a pog set. Like set two actually like a really really good set, and I would love to play it now in this modern climate of TFT. It was like a it was almost like it was like ahead of its time. Um, but you know, definitely not. I don't Definitely. know. I, I, no, think, I, I think I think I think I think if you flip set five and set two, set two has a much yeah, better reception. I, I think if set you... two was yeah, definitely not as bad as like everyone says it is. But I can't confirm because I didn't play set two. Yeah. I, I definitely think set one was way worse than everyone remembers it being. <laughs> yeah, but but set we one was like, it was fresh Yeah, no, no, no. Set one was fresh, but the thing is, if you play set one now, I don't know what's set. Oh my god, Frosty <laughs> is getting so mad. Frosty is getting so mad listening to this opinion of mine because we literally one broadcast spent an hour in pre-show ranking oh, all really? the sets, and we were at yeah. each other's throats ahead of cast. I will just say when when we had socks on this podcast. Uh, he's, he said something that I'll never forget, and I hope that anyone that listens to that podcast or goes and after this and does listen to that podcast never forgets it either. He said, uh, if any player above Diamond now played set one, they would probably be rank one instantly. Because that yeah. shit was so easy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we were so bad back then. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, yeah. He was like, literally Everyone every was player so bad. was so bad at TFT back then. <laughs> yeah. The that... Econ wasn't a thing in set 1 TFT. Like, the way people play for Econ now oh, really? just literally wasn't a thing in set 1. Mm. You know I the feel like it was... roll augment, right? That was literally players rolling down and trying to get pirates. They would literally just hit the D key. <laughs> Do I hit my graves? Do it again! I was... Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I found the opposite to also be true, where, like, people would purely econ and they would not roll below yes. 50 gold. Like, yes. they'd just sit at 50 gold the entire game and never spend below like, 50 gold. Was, Unless you were right about to die. The thing is, is, like, a lot <laughs> yeah. of those things about roll-down timings, I think, only really became super prevalent in, like, set 4. Where like every set like three kind of yeah. set, set three, three set three, of, set three started it right yeah yeah but like set, set four, four really cemented it where you had to yeah. get to the four two level seven roll down so yeah, you yeah, could yeah, hit yeah, your yeah. warwicks like that was like what kind of cemented oh this is why roll down timings are important and over time this bed of TFT knowledge is growing but, but yeah it's like the same if you chuck like a, a a guy that's competing in like professional League of Legends in Oceania right now and you throw them back to season two and be like well time to play League of Legends they would win worlds. Like, without a that's doubt, they would win well. Imagine thinking they could I mean, beat yeah. the Taipei Assassins, though. That was... Uh, look. <laughs> that was, Sorry, that was some real deep cut League of Legends lore. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me I, too. uh... I, uh... My, my, I'm not. Uh, I, I think this is not TOS. I think I can say it. Sorry, Cutler, if I ruined your podcast. But uh, oh no, that's okay. Uh, You're allowed to swear on this fucking show. No, okay. it's not. It's not. It's not so much worse, but it's uh, okay. My, my, my favorite Taipei Assassins fact is uh, the mid laner Toys is in jo- uh, is in jail for uh, distributing jo- drugs. <laughs> like he got done for. Uh, oh really? Drugs in Taiwan. Yeah. Wait, that's what yeah. happened to him? Oh yeah. shit! That's funny. Wait, that feels so bad. He was yeah. so cool. So that's not even Man. like TPA Wids Worlds. Takes the prize money, deals drugs, goes in prison. Satch. Well, Soul uh, is a convicted felon, so I mean, if he's not allowed to be- How am I a convicted <laughs> felon? What the fuck? Yeah, you're a re-roll abuser. Where is this coming from? You're an, you're an abusive uh, He's a cab abuser, sorry. He's a cab abuser. Yeah. That's what I saw. Oh! He's a he, he, he abuses I went fifth! He's been and he went fifth. That's even worse! That's even worse! I went fifth! Yeah. Oh! Lock him up, take him away. He's been abusing Fast 9 ever since. <laughs> 
can't look at you ever the same way ever again. <laughs> Guys, look, we're um, going to move on because we do have a little bit to touch on about something that is actually happening in the TFT scene right now, and that is Set 7, PBE. Really? Is that happening? Oh, I haven't well, gone past the queues. If anybody's been able to log in, I mean, please <laughs> let me know if the set's fun, but, sh but sure. I mean, I we... mean, yeah, it didn't look too fun for you when I sent you an eight fast game. So I like, went yeah, seven. I get that. Don't be, don't be facetious. <laughs> I went seven. So yeah, seventh by tiebreaker. So yeah, exactly. Still counts. That's yeah. less loss LP. But look, let's talk about set seven. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet on this podcast. Soul, I would love to hear your first impressions on the set. Uh it uh, oh, oh, I don't know. It might be too controversial. Nice. Bit of uh, spice here. Alright, all right. throw, throw it up, throw it up. Okay, I think the set has really, really well-designed set mechanics, but I think the traits are a bit of a... There's a lot of pretty insane red flags with the traits. So, I'll, I'll say that basically... Elaborate. Okay, yeah, I'll, of course, of course. I, I want to give Frosty's opinion before I, I jump would just leave that well. there. I would just right, leave that like, there. Frosty, oh. as someone who has not played set 7 so far, what are your thoughts on set 7? No, 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 Soul, please. Okay, okay. So, so the good. Let's we'll go to the good before we talk about the bad. So the good. All right. Being able to reroll the augment your augment once per game. Brilliant. Incredible. So good. I tried. I, I went back to playing six one five. Wanted to immediately. Wanted to immediately <laughs> FF and quit the game. Wanted to immediately. <laughs> was like, my what augment. is this? Was like, what is this shit? What are my options? Why can't I reroll? This game is unplayable. So you don't brilliant. get options. No. Yeah. You, you don't I understand. Know. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, incredible. Uh, what else? Treasure Dragon. Great. Four six, oh. six never felt so good. Treasure Dragon, absolutely incredible. Whoever, also, whoever came, whoever came with that, give them a raise. Um, that's like one more thing. Oh, and they just augment design in general is also better because all like, the augments had, are so good. Yeah, this set they've had an entire set to, to design on to, to iterate on it. So that that's also just yeah. be really good. Like the augments, yeah. like. Like fuck the dragons off as like yeah. a set mechanic. All of the new augments are wild. They're all yeah, so yeah. good. Yeah, so, like, yeah. That's yeah. what the, makes the set seven good. so good, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot the, of yeah. Here's the issue though. Yeah. There are a lot of verticals in this set. There are a yeah. lot of verticals and and and, and newly hyper verticals that are extremely easy to achieve. Mm -hmm. uh, I love so for those who don't know. Yeah, I know. I love. I love. No, it's more like twelve jade is kind of a meme, but it's more like nine jade. That's like you know, it just always happens. Um. Yeah. So for those that don't know, uh, the new dragons are basically like think of them as like reworked or like a, a Colossus two point Think of it as Colossus two point basically. Colossus uh, and Chosen had a baby. Yeah, and then they cost, what came yeah. out of it was dragons. Was dragons. They cost twice as much gold as you know uh, a unit would normally cost an ATL. So uh, like a like a purple dragon costs eight gold instead of four gold and a yellow dragon costs ten gold instead of five gold. Uh and the big thing that you get is that you know they cost so the thing is that they cost two unit slots on your board just like Colossus. Uh they get a bunch of increased stats uh because they take up two slots. Uh but the important thing is that they count towards three of their trait, which is pretty insane. But what this allows you to do is, is that this basically lets you slot in six synergies for essentially free. Uh, it's quite negligible to play any six synergy with a dragon because your dragon is worth half of the synergy. Uh, and it's also quite trivially easy to play nine synergies as well because of the you know the three you get from your dragon. Uh, so what that leads to is that that leads to, uh, yeah, a lot of really, really powerful verticals. And uh, as we learned from Set 5, uh, that, that, that may not uh, necessarily be the... Best way to take the game down. So that's the red flag. I'm not. It's not all doom and gloom, but I'm just saying. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna offer my counterpoint to the red flag here, where okay. I think it's almost a necessity that the verticals have to be like this, because without the verticals being this easy to play, this set is so complex. Like, this sure. set oh, sure, has sure. an insanely yeah. high skill ceiling and a very, very low skill floor. Like, it is so easy um, to, like, get dizzy in this set. And, like, my kind of, like, way of judging this is... I'm, I'm going to flex here. I get invited to, like, the play, the play tests before it hits PBA. Because um, I'm kind of a big deal. I'm not sure if you guys have heard. I'm um, apparently not, so I don't <laughs> really know. Just saying. Uh, oh Just my saying. god, it's a Keith raid. Oh shit. Hello. Welcome to else. Yeah, thank you, um, Keith, to the raid. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, brother. Um, I, I guess what it comes down to that is, like, without the easy-to-play verticals, what the hell are you doing in this set? It is so complicated to try and grasp, like, all the mechanics. Oh, um, yeah. That, like, it, it almost is a necessity. And that kind of has dawned on me over time as to why this set is so good. The first day after I played this set, I was like, this is actually worse than set 5. And I was like, wow. If this is worse than set 5, how am I going to cast this set? Because I didn't really like playing set 5. And then I kept playing more and more and more, and I was like, wait, this set has so much to it. And it's, like, really cool in terms of the ways that, like... I know that, like, vertical play right now is definitely going to be, like, the way things trend, but I know that the way that the starter sets have always trended is people playing verticals, because it's like, oh, it's so easy just to play this vertical while I don't understand the set right now. And I feel like down uh, across time, we'll see people start to deviate away, deviate away from the verticals, and that's why we see all the really cool interactions that this set has. Outside of the, the cringe ones, Riot, please remove Revel Emblem. I am begging you to remove Revel Emblem. That shit is so broken. And does not deserve to be in the game. Every other emblem is fine. Revel emblem is not fine. That is totally not fine. But this set, um, like, as time goes goes on, unironically, I think is the best set of TFT ever. Oof. Ooh. Big call. Cool. That, oh, that's a that's that a, a big call. Cool. I'm That is. A, I'm going to clip that. So we'll see if that comes true later on. I will will say, we'll you got to well. get. You got to clip this, and then the, we're going to get to an end of like a broadcast. It's going to be like set seven challenger series, and I'm going to turn to Frosty and say, "God, this gameplay was just dog shit. How bad is this set? Like, Jesus Christ, these players have got their heads stuck up their backsides. I tell you." <laughs> Look, but yeah, look. no, I, I'm really high on set 7. I've loved mm. all, all the games that I've played. The only games that I haven't liked is when people bugged abuse Philosopher's Stone or people abuse Revel and Nivea. And Revel and Nivea is slightly fixed, but it's still really broken. Yeah, let me say, of course, for those of you listening, we are talking about a pre-released version of the game. The game does come out one week, pretty much from today, actually. I think it will be this time next week. Uh, it comes out Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning. Uh, so yeah, pretty much seven days from now, we will be playing the game with our, with our hands on it, which is very, very exciting. Uh, one of the most important things to think about when, you're, when we're talking about the PBE here is that all of this stuff is definitely going to change. Now, I will say that I think I land closer to Soul than I do Ducky on this one. I think the set is very 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 not finished yet because i think that a lot of the major mechanical decisions they made surrounding dragons themselves this thematic element of the set um they 
probably will come back and rethink them at some point in the next three months. Especially the Which way that dragons... Yeah. Yeah. Especially the way that dragons work. Um, I do believe that we, as we always talked about on this podcast with Colossus, and especially in set six when we were talking about Scion as a unit, not so much Galio, they will come back and really, really look into whether or not they felt that they were a good addition to the game. Because right now, they're fluctuating highly based on small changes of whether or not they're absolutely broken or completely unplayable. And I think that TFT balance suffers a lot from, you know, minus 5 AD means unplayable, plus 10 AP means the most broken unit we've ever seen in TFT. I will say the the skill cap for this set is going to be the highest we've ever seen in TFT. Oh, yeah. I think the way players will create end game compositions and I've, you've already i've already seen personally a little bit of it on pbe how to be a late game play like how to be a late game specialist in this set is going to separate that's an augment the good players well there you go <laughs> gain 40 gold and a world championship position you know, <laughs> i i think that I think that they will absolutely be a significant factor in determining who the best players are, is how they adapt to the end game, which I think is the most skill expressible area of TFT. Is I think the there's game. like, I think like it's like a very important point that the way that the dragons have been kind of thrown into this set might be the one overall weakness of it, where they've just been thrown into the 58 champion roster that Ryder settled on. This is the perfect formula for fifty yep. uh, for TFT, where we have these 58 champions. They all have the same amount of 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 costs. But what this is left is a couple of holes in the roster in like what we can see for champion design. Like the every, What everyone is complaining about right now is there is no set of 4-cost AP carry because Deja yep. is a fake fucking unit. Like Deja sucks. Oh, and Deja is meant to be the. <laughs> it, like, yeah, really? Deja oh. is now the new bastard. Shit. No, De- De- things I change was... so quickly on PBE that okay, by the time the... this comes okay, okay, out, but, it'll be completely but, but, different. But help Ducky on this point, though. The issue with Deja isn't even necessarily whether he's good or bad. The issue with Deja is that it's not actually an AP carry. It's an attack speed. Yeah, yeah it's it's like, like an attack speed carry. That's yeah. exactly like the problem, though. Is like everyone was like Deja is going to be there. Exactly. That. And now, is not, like a... and now it's like exactly. it's an well, this character. set is so oh, yeah. AD dominated. Yeah. Like and like another issue that I have with this is like it kind of falls into the same one with like Mirage, where like I feel like Mirage is just a strictly West mutant, where like I feel like there was a lot more diversity in mutant than there was in mirage but i think that's also just the nature of late game so like i feel like there's like maybe a couple holes in the in the roster but like at the same time um everyone i I can see like angora who by the way big big angora fan probably number one angora fan um and and kefa like saying ap is good i like i'll I'll preface this with saying that when we were doing the 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 pre-pbe play test rise was like the most broken comp like everyone was playing Rise, it was so broken, and like I still think Rise is actually really, really good. Um, but at the same time, it's so early, and I feel like when we're trying to like, uh, when we're trying to judge, like you know, oh, AD versus AP, or like this unit is broken. It's like we haven't even started putting LP on the line yet, bro. Like once LP's on the line, shit really wraps up. 
on this point, I guess, just to add to it, um, I will say that, like, um, having sort of heard more dogs' opinions on, you know, uh, the you know the balance between uh, AP and AD, um, it is clear that they are trying something you know, different with how they, you know, the, the, in terms of sort of the symmetry of the two trees, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, Mordok has specifically said that, like, um, like for example, right, there are more, uh, there are a bunch of AP uh, three-cost champions that can be carried, um, such as, like, Elise and Rise, um, and there might be some others that are missing. Um, but, and, but, then there's, but then on the other side, there's a bunch of, you know, AP five-cost, right? But then there aren't yeah. actually, to compensate for the fact that there aren't really any AP four-costs, uh, that being said, though, I personally love symmetry, so it tilts me that there are like you know four eight four four cost AD champions and like no four cost AP champions, and then you know there's there's like basically no AD five costs and all the five costs AP. But yeah, I mean it's clear it's clear that you know Riot's trying something here. So yeah, we'll I feel, I feel like I like we're talking about like four cost AP carries. I feel like someone is eventually going to find a Sona build that works because I like the first thing oh. when I played this set was I was like, bro, you could definitely run Sona like Seraphine carry. Like, there is definitely someone's going to find a build where Sona is going to be as good as Seraphine because Sona's ability plus Rebel just seems really good. And also Evoker, where you can just steal mana. Like, there's eventually it's going to come around. Um, I can see just Frosty's just like being there, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, Look, yeah, yeah. Frosty, yeah, I want to actually. I do know what y'all are talking but about. Yeah, he, he's is... watched it. Like, <laughs> I have watched a metric ton of sets so okay. i have not gone past loading screen simulator for the, for the viewers see, out I there i have not been able to get on and test it myself but to try to make up for that i have been watching a metric ton and like i get all these points right but i'm just i'm listening very uh, intently to all of your points so i can come in with my rebuttal here we've seen we have seen like a riot struggle with the identity behind units that take up two slots, right? Where there is a lot of this fluctuation here. I suppose I'm more on the side of Ducky here where I feel like these numbers, especially if they do end up, you know, hitting these higher verticals here, these are more tunable because, you know, it is something where it is inherently, the fact is, you know, if Night Jade is busted, that's mostly because Shioyu, I believe it is, uh, is... Okay, they're a little bit too good. All right, shit so on you, bro. Do? Shit on you. <laughs> so what do we do? We nerf nine jade because that's not going to affect most jade comps, right? So instead, yeah. that is like they have these higher verticals here, so that they can take out you know some of these moments here. And you know what? You're right. It is still in development right now, so they are yeah, still like, trying to work out the kinks. Day one, day one PBA to now is like an entirely different game. Absolutely. Like, I mean, it, it always is. I think, like, especially so in this set, where, like, I feel like this set more than any, a lot of units have been reworked in, in PBE yeah. so far. Like, there's been the Zaya rework. Yeah, the Zaya rework There's been, really like, a, a couple of, like, trait reworks and that kind of stuff, where, like, to add on to what Frosty is saying there, is, like, yeah, it's still very much a work in progress, and, like, by the time things hit live, it will be different. As long as Riot removes Rebel Spat. Please remove Rebel <laughs> Emblem. It's fucking terrible. Hmm. Actually, fucking terrible. And you know what? We've always, with every single set, I guarantee there has always been something that Riot has overlooked. That there has been, you know, just something like Rebels Bat that is just clearly a little bit too good. And what have they done about it? They've completely gutted it. Yeah. So you know what? In the end, I think more often than not, you know, we're gonna have our war weeks every now and again. But more often than not these things they usually end up working out here and if 
general perception is anything to go by a lot of players are really enjoying set seven you know a lot of players have really been getting stuck into it and i think that the future is bright for tft i was just wondering when this decided to become a design podcast more than anything else here i thought we yeah. were talking about just general gameplay here man. yeah look honestly <laughs> we we know how to balance tft girl typing chatting like you know that's, that's like how i feel like when we talk about these design decisions and obviously like the tft guy developers i've spoken to a lot of them like across my time as, as a journo um all of them are insanely smart people like all mm. of them like they have reasonings for why they do things and people can disagree with those reasonings but at the same time they've done a really fucking good job to keep pumping out these sets across seven sets being able to innovate being sure. able to keep things fresh and interesting in in a game that is so dynamic and changes every three months that is insane effort and they do a really really good job so this is not a, a hating the devs podcast this is actually appreciating no, the no, devs no, no. and, and talking not. about you know like what we would like to see and what i would you know we 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 can we can always nitpick, but like yeah, I think overall, I think everyone is really high on set seven. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, a lot of people who have listened to this show for as long as we've been going will know is that when we talk about unit balance and unit design, we are often talking very specifically from a philosophy stamp, a design philosophy standpoint that it, that you know we have been uh, given from you know how the devs present themselves online so when we talk about how uh the game is currently balanced how we believe the units are fitting together how we believe the game is currently uh working as a whole we we are always looking through the lens of well here is what the devs have said about how they believe tft is built and we always work from that position uh and we we've we use that quite a lot uh, in set six and set 6.5 when discussing units like Seraphine and Galio and where their position was in the game. I think it will be a really um, interesting follow and I really recommend that you all follow closely the development of set seven because they've learned so many brilliant lessons from set six and set 6.5. I will always maintain that even like with Revel and Nivea, with Revel Zyre, with Whispers emblem, nothing will be more broken than when Riot released fucking Samira on set 4.5 PBE. That is still the most, <laughs> to this day, the most yeah. broken patch in TFT history was set 4.5 PBE day one Samira launch. If you did not play in set 4.5, basically every lobby was literally you would hit one star Samira, didn't matter about your traits. You could put it in a comp and it would 1v9. That unit was insanely overtuned and nothing has ever reached that level of broken, even on the PvE ever again. Yeah, so um, to sort of round this off, I, I would just like to say, of course, guys, everything that we've been talking about here is uh, coming out next week, <laughs> basically. So uh, if You'll you be are listening, listening to this while not in queue, logging queue, but instead in ranked queue. Yes, exactly. So for our podcast next week, we will do a full breakdown of everything set seven. We're going to have some very special guests on that I hope you join us for. We've got to the part of the show now where we do some questions, and this is always where I pass it over to Sol so he can uh, get the question segment going. Yeah. All right. The first one comes from one of our guests. Aki would like to know, how does Frosty maintain his good looks? 
See, actually, I um, I spoiled myself on this one. I had a, I this was literally the first thing in there. I was like, oh yeah, and I'll just take a uh, ducky, you smarty pants. Um, so fun fact here, uh, I don't. I actually, I there's okay. So I'm a believer of the philosophy that you, there's like, a, if you care too much about it, it's it just doesn't look good, right? But like if it's like there's like an in between, right? So if you're like in this middle part here, where if you care yeah. too much about it, it just doesn't work. If you care a lot about, it, like a lot, a lot about it, then you look good. But if you're like at this disheveled level here, where it's just like just underneath that there, where it's like you can get away with looking like kind of scruffy and make it work, that's me. That is me. I mean, I mean, I I how, wash. How, how frequently do you shower? Is the obvious question. Every day. <laughs> like okay, cool. Good to clear Every up. Every day. Up. Every day, I brush my teeth every day, twice a day. No. All right. Basic <laughs> Just so hygiene. So we can get everyone. the idea. Yeah, yeah, hygiene, hygiene. That is that is absolutely that you cannot, you absolutely cannot skip that. All right. Yeah. But like in terms of like you know like basic grooming and all this sort of stuff. Pe I mean, Pepe G, I Pepe G in chat. Pepe G in chat. Take note. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Good to know, good to know. Alright. Murray would also like to know, Frosty, do you have permanent headphone hair from your famous Krakens? The Krakens are gone, and I'm so sad. Uh, I love it a lot. Uh, it's pretty, yes. It's pretty bad. On, uh, yeah. It depends on how long my hair is. When it gets to this stage, yes. I do, for the most part. Um, yeah, see, look. I'd say, I'd argue Duckies is worse. I have I, very bad headphone hair. Yeah, like I, funnily enough, most of the time here, I don't actually wear my headphones when I'm not doing uh, things like this. I, I have a TV that I have for my second monitor, and I just play it through that. So more often than not, I'm not wearing my headphones, and I just let my, my luscious locks here run free. They are very luscious. I've, nice. I have felt them in real life. And they, they feel as good as they look. Damn straight. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one, I guess, these questions, I guess, can be, for most of us, we can all sort of take turns answering them. Uh, what are everyone's favorite moment in OCE TFT esports? Ooh, that's a good question. Alright, uh, you go first. Uh, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> I had a lot. Um, I guess on a more sentimental level, the OSS SEO showdown is... Probably one of my favorite moments in OCE esports because, especially for OCFT, because we gave SEA the platform and we kind of built the we we kind of officially built the bridge there, and it was really good getting to cast those guys and me, like meeting all the SEA guys was really really nice. Um, I love how Frosty was angling uh, the four fawn moment, which is probably in esports history for TFT ludicrous. Um, I can't like. Twig still has nightmares. Um, I have to. I have to kind of cuddle him at night at times. Um, but I guess, from a, I guess a casting perspective, um, there's kind of there's two moments that really stand out to me. One is uh, Chunga one one lag one. That was really special to cast. That was just insane. Um, if you know, everyone will talk about the Robin one 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 lag one. But like you know, the Chunga one was also pretty good. Um, and the second one was also uh, the final lobby of Set 6 Regionals, which is still to this day, I think, one of the best games that TFT ever played competitively. And I don't know how my voice has recovered. 
I still haven't. I'm octaves lower at this point. Yeah, I think mine is, um, uh, it's a very, like, to me, For Fun is so special for me because it was, like, I, I feel like in that brief little moment where it's like I was just developing as a caster here and it was just, it was so perfect. You know, everything just came together so naturally there. And honestly, I mean, it just it tries to, it, it, that's like, I wouldn't say the peak of my casting, but like that is the embodiment of what I try to aim for when I'm casting this. So to me, that holds a special place in my heart, you know? Yeah. Good answer. Good one for us, buddy. Yeah, I mean, look, there's so many great moments to to think about. I will pull up like a very recent one. I think um, being able to like take the world by storm with a, a TXE meme, I think, is just so hilarious <laughs> and great. Yeah. And such a such a like an over encompassing feeling about what we've been talking about during this episode about the the specialness of of the oceanic community. Just being able to turn a a really special moment into a uh, into a um, like a meme on the world stage, I love that. Let's go, Ron. By the way, Ron is TXE. I call him. I call him Ron because because you know close. You just don't know yeah, like I can that. I can use his first name because we're close like that. It's not a big yeah, deal like that. Um, I, I I guess on a, on a, like a another level, if I can add like one more like on that community aspect, meeting all the TFT casters for the first time was actually really sick at regionals. Like I already met Genome and Judge, and obviously Judge didn't sing around for regionals cast, but I met Genome before back in my Overwatch days. Um, meeting like Sleppy and Frosty was really special, and just having that moment to share. Um it really kind of put into perspective what we built over the last two years. And it, I hope we can have more special moments like that to come. And maybe one day we can even have a, a LAN where, where we can have the players right there as well. Which one of you is the tallest? Do you know? Do I, have to, I, I think you're slightly taller than me, right, Frosty? Oh, yeah, I'm not taller than me. Yeah. I don't know. There's photos of us. Yeah. Uh, genome is like. Oh, genome's a genome's a giant. Gen genome's like this. Like genome's like this. Like he's just this. Genome's T poses on us. And was like, <laughs> having having genome next to Sleppy is still one of the funniest things. Ever. <laughs> I remember seeing that on broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Where like genome yeah. is just this giant, and then Sleppy is like on on her tippy toes, and still just doesn't even reach like shoulders. It's so funny. <laughs> Great. So there you I go. Th me... Those are all memorable moments uh, across OCTFT. Yeah, I think for me, my favorite is probably uh, Esther's regionals run in set five. Was probably yeah. probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, because that whole run was like just insane. I, I, cause, like, I, I watched like the entire run, and that whole run was just insane to like even watch. Like the fact that he even got to the final day, because like he got it at sixteenth oh, out of sixteen. Right, yeah. The fact yeah. that like, he even got there to begin with was already like. That and, and the other thing what was like crazy about that run was like the whole lead up into it. Like it's not that like no one had like faith in him or whatever, but it's more like everyone just saw Esha as like the meme. Like yeah, he was, was a meme. Like the one to take because because he was and because he was right. So yeah. so to see him actually take it down at that moment when he got the third and 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 he he found out he was you know he was locked in. He won the tournament. Was was pretty was yeah it was it was insane. It was it was yeah yeah that was uh that, that was a pretty great moment. Yeah. Um, a lot of good yeah. moments. If you haven't, if you haven't realized, I mean, there there is a lot <laughs> happening in this region. Surprisingly, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alright, let's go with the next one. Uh, who does everyone think is the best player in OCE's history? Oh. Angora. Oh god. Man. Actually, uh, actually <laughs> like, legitimately, on god, it is Angora, and I hope to god, set 7, he can finally go to Worlds. Oh, well, you because... fucking jinxed him right there, so he's... Um... Oh. This is what I didn't want to say! <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know if I should ask this question, because I feel like we're just going to jinx it! <laughs> I, I, when I read it, I was uh, actually Angora, in conflict with my uh, uh, I have apologized to Angora <laughs> more times than I can count in DMs, but I honestly believe he's the best player ever in OCTFT. A lot of the guys that have made worlds are all very, very good players, but I don't think anyone has had the same level of consistently, consistency or being consistently dominant in regionals than Angora has. I just hope that, you know, one day he can kind of break the curse. See, I'm gonna respect Angora. I'm not gonna say Angora. You're gonna say Donny. You're gonna say Donny. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna say anyone. I'm not gonna say anyone here because we already know. We already know who is. I mean, you've already said it, but I'm at least gonna not try to jinx Angora any further here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just said his name. You said his name. You said his name. Here's how you do it. Here's what I would have said. You have to say. You have to say like Array, or you have to say like Keith, or you have to say Jose and just curse the It's Jose, dude. Jose is the best. When he finally gets to worlds. Uh, we go he's one, gonna one. absolutely crush it. Ho yep, Jose, Jose is gonna get to Worlds quicker on the casting desk than he is gonna get to Worlds as a player. Just oh, saying that. No. <laughs> oh no! It's a sad reality, but yeah. it's actually kind of true because his casting is off the walls. Yeah, we're sorry, Jose. We're sorry about that. Um, oh. That is a question that we got sent that is very difficult to answer. Yeah. Uh, mostly because any answer that you give, there's a... Um, uh, there's 10 other answers that I can give. I will just say, um, and it's something that I've said multiple times before, not only on this podcast, but, um, uh, you know, all over the place when I'm talking about how to improve at TFT, um, the, the two players that I've watched that have improved my game the most and have made me like see things that I never thought, like see things I'd never thought possible when it came to TFT is both. Keith and Angora whenever I watch them play. And I think that I, I couldn't pick between either of them for which one was a better player. But the way that they play TFT is just fucking brilliant. And I think yeah. that anyone out there that is interested in the top tier of TFT content and, and how to better yourself at this game... Uh, you you need to go and watch them. I think that, that yeah. that's all I'll say on the matter. You don't need to go watch Bunny Fufu. You need to go watch these guys because they actually talking <laughs> about. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. I I guess like to add on to that as well. Like I learned more about TFT casting with Jose than I did in like any other day. Just absorbing his knowledge just by standing next to him and casting. Frosty, I love I'm not you. Doing his dirty like that. He's doing the man dirty like that while he's while he's oh, he right here, here in in but, front of you. It's not even like it was behind his back or whatever. No, 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 no. The man's right in front I, of you. I, I, I am the whole package. I will be completely honest in front of you. And this is where I say I learned just by watch just like listening to Jose talk about TFT, I learned so much about the small game mechanics in, in set six MSI. That was like, wow, I'd never thought about the game that way. 
I guess the second one for me, like, where you say, like, yeah, watching a player was, like, watching KMP play regionals. Like, every time we cast a KMP on, on stage for regionals, I basically had the second monitor that we had set up on KMP's board. And the way that he just navigated every game, like, I'm pretty sure gained me, like, 100 LP when I started playing uh, on ranked queues again. And, like, I played, like, two games of 6.5, and, like, KMP just, like, got me so much LP. This is why we can't have nice things. Oh. Unlucky. Yeah. Next yeah. time, next time, next time, I'm in Adelaide. Pancakes on me. How about that? Okay, well, that does make up for it. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm a simple man. What can I say? <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap it up with one more question. I reckon our final. Yeah, question I was gonna say. I think show. for sanity's sake, I mean, I I, I would have. <laughs> or said, you're about like, to what, fracture the casting jury. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think for sanity's sake, I'll leave out my answer for the the one I just asked. You know, uh, it would have been very similar to what everyone else has already said. So, uh, all right, here we go. A spicy one, an even spicier one to end the oh. question segment. I guess Who's one the at a time. Player? In any order. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, too spicy, too spicy, too spicy. <laughs> okay, who's someone from another region you would love to cast with? Oh, all right. Yeah, Can yeah, I start yeah. off here? Yeah, you can start, Frosty. Um, I have known Frodan for a really long time. I have we were in a Hearthstone summit in set two, and we hung out just talking about TFT for <laughs> much longer than I would care to admit. Uh, probably why some of the Hearthstone devs are uh, probably not the biggest fan of me right now. Um, <laughs> that, that besides the point. Um, I, uh, for the real I, reason why Frosty's a TFT caster. He yeah. was exiled. Um, it's not been the same since Ben Brode left anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's not, uh, it wasn't the same after he left. Yeah. Uh, so I'd, I would love to be able to cast a bit of TFT with Frodan. I think uh, it would just be a a bit of fun, honestly, and yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. I feel like the oh, easy yeah. answer to this is yeah, I'd love to cast with Mort Dog. That would be so cool. <laughs> but like, there, there's like a lot of people that like I would like to cast with. I'd love to cast with Max. Um, I think really underrated caster from EU. Um, she actually reached out to the OCE guys ahead of region, uh, ahead of Worlds to ask, hey, how, what's the storylines of TXE and KMP? Like, you know, how do they play? Like, what's their journey here? How are they as people? And, like, really weaving those narratives into broadcast, like, actually added, like, a little bit of, I don't know, a bit of special, like, we, we actually had a little bit of Ost Flare on a Worlds broadcast for once, aside from, wow, these guys are really good for some reason. We don't know why. If only we could ask someone. Um, so, like, Max really went a long way to doing that, and, like, she she casted really well during Worlds, I think. Um, my second answer would actually probably be, like, one of, like, Boop or Jirachi, who are both, like, amazing humans who, like, carry the tier to NA scene, in my opinion. Um, I've known Boop for quite some time through Overwatch, and Jirachi is just the most wonderful human being ever. Um, and I think both of them have great analytical insight that, and just really good casters that are, like, just really like to you know share the share the screen with them yeah good choices from both of you really interesting actually nice to nice to hear some representation for for riley and boop and, and makes as well i think that's um great shouts and and really um really deserving of uh, of the praise uh i i would like to point out that i that i think um for me personally and i know the way that i um interact and i and sort of the 
friendship and, and relationship on this podcast that Sol and I have. I think I would probably work best with a very analytical person, so I am going to say Doa. Oh, good shout. Uh, he was our first international guest, uh, of course, and that doesn't change the fact that he is also one of the most influential and incredible esports casters that there's ever been. Period. Ever. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that he would be a great addition to um, uh, to a, a cast that I would be lucky enough to feature on. Would you be would you his second? Would you would you be his second his second Shan? I was gonna no. say a great a great addition. A great addition. What to say? What the fuck? Two Shans? Yeah. <laughs> Iconic League moment. See, I get. We get it. We get it. Um, to answer Angora's question, did you leave the T scene anyway, by the way, any Noah's? I don't know, but he's doing a bunch more hosting stuff. Like, he's been hosting some Siege. He's doing a bunch more stuff, so I don't know. Maybe just branching out a little bit more. I hope he hasn't left, though, because he's a really, really good voice. Mm-hmm. Sol, your your answer to that question before we wrap up the evening. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not a caster, so I don't, I don't even know, like, if like there's even a point if, in it. If you, if you could try to cast, like, you know, if you, if you, if you really wanted to. Uh, the cop-out answer is here. Yeah, I'd, I'd cast with Cutler. He's my podcast duo. I wouldn't, so ca- I wouldn't cast with Sol. What? Sorry, who said <laughs> <that>? <laughs> yeah, The thing is, like, I want to pick a big name because, like, uh, again, like, it doesn't make any sense because I'm not a caster. So, like, if I yeah. was to hypothetically cast, I would... Oh my god, this is so bad as well. Mm. Just real. I never just realized, but like... I would love to cast with... You know... Oh, oh fuck. The question says another region. I was going to say Who I'd love to cast with Ducky. Yeah, but, like, I knew it. If I, if, I, if I ever branch, I'd love to do a cast with Ducky. Like, it's, it's not, it doesn't really answer the question, but like, yeah. Wow. It is. It's not like I'm not a caster. It's like it doesn't make sense <laughs> to me to cast with like someone from like who's like an actual established caster from overseas. I blame you all for making me ask the question. I'm sorry, Frosty. I'm sorry. No, if if you got if you got all right, look, Frosty, you and me, we'll go and cast. No, no, no. It's purely because me and Ducky chatted in like the pre-pre-show for like 15 minutes. That's the reason. That's what I got. That's what song it over. Wait, Frosty got to me first. Is different. I um. If there was one guy in the OC community that I could cast with, it oh would be God. Frosty. I'm very happy with my duo. Um, oh, yeah. I have words I, on with it, We'll talk about but this like, in the car on the way home. I, 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 I guess kind of to wrap it up, is like, it's quite funny because I remember like getting off my first cast with Frosty, and I've never told him this before. I got off my first cast with Frosty, and I was like, God damn, that was rough as guts. <laughs> and I was, yep. Like, yep. I was like, going, how the hell are we ever going to make casting work? And I feel like it was really rough for like the first six to nine months, but then it kind of clicked, and I I don't think I would have another duo ever again. Oh yeah, that's very nice. It's a beautiful thing. That is Thank a beautiful you. story. Wedding. I, <laughs> I thought think... you were perfect the first time that I saw you, but you know, <laughs> I see how it is. Like sometimes you, know you just have to grow I'm forever... on somebody, Frosty. You know, so it just takes I'm a little forever while. Forever the sometimes. real. What have I never been real with you? Let's be real. I've always been real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. And guys, yeah. let me let me finally wrap up by saying it's been real fun. And I want to first say a big shout big shout out to my co-host, as always, Sol, for joining me for this twenty seventh episode of the Roll Down Podcast. Twenty seven apps. You're like one third of the good. way to sixty nine. It's great. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> 
guys oh. look we've had two really special guests this evening it's been a lot of fun first of all to ducky thank you so much for coming on the podcast this evening i want to give you a final chance to let everybody know where they can find you or your work online and um uh, to the people that may not have heard of you before all right hash, hashtag ad inbound but yeah um follow me on twitter uh dvcky underscore um i will tweet nonsensically about tft league of legends and everything in between um if you want to find my work i, I write for a website called Deserto, uh d-e-x-e-r-t-o dot com i typically do interviews with the tft devs i do them quite regularly so if you want to get a little bit more insight um, I recommend reading an interview that I did with uh, the devs about TFT was about to die and how they saved it, and also about the makings of Set 7. I did those both recently, and I think I would greatly appreciate you reading them, and hopefully you get something out of them. Great. And, uh, of course, and last and certainly not least, the fantastic Frosty. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, for everybody who uh, has not familiarize themselves with your work where can everybody find you uh i well thank you so much for having me on here i also have a twitter over at uh twitter.com slash frosty mate uh i also stream over at twitch there so go and check me out it's not exactly tft content i mean there is sometimes but it, on the rare occasion he, he pops you know, a lot of balloons he does he does I pop do. a lot of balloons I, I, I mean, <laughs> but it's very good i'm i'm quite the popping sort of guy uh, yeah. over at twitch.tv slash frosty mate. Guys. And one final shout out, you can find us casting hopefully for set seven on, on twitch.tv slash teamfight tactics, but also check out the OC Twitter at OCTFT, um, where you'll catch up with like all the set seven stuff. And we hope that we can give you uh, great stories for, for set seven and beyond. Guys, that's going to do it for this episode. It's been a real pleasure to have these guys on uh, two absolute legends of this tft scene in oceania and uh it's it's really been a really been a special really fun nice chilled out episode and, and we can't thank them enough for that so until next time from me cutler and my co-host soul you have been listening to the roll down podcast thank you so much everybody bye for now okay everyone bye bye, bye guys bye. thank you so much